this Christmas, or maybe some of us would say, you know, in Christmas 2020 or the, our COVID Christmas, more like this Christmas, you know. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and it's a holly jolly Christmas. Have a little different flavor and tone this year in COVID Christmas that we face. There will be some differences and challenges. For some of us, the tradition of going and having Christmas at grandma's won't happen you know, this year, or even time with extended family and friends will look different and feel different in this year. And it's not just here in the United States. It literally is, is all around the world. Uh, the Christmas markets in European countries, most of them had canceled. Here's a picture of this. Does this look like an amazing place to have experienced Christmas? What a beautiful, beautiful setting. And for some of these countries who are struggling, this is so sad. This is one of the highlights of the year these Christmas festivals, but they are being canceled. But let me give you some good news on all of this. Dr. Fauci has said, according to USA Today, that Santa Claus is immune to the COVID virus, so there is no concern of global spread on Christmas Eve. Woo! There you go. That's your good news for today as we go. But uh, it's crazy. You know, this certainly, this Christmas is going to be a unique Christmas, but you know, the, the very first Christmas was a very unique Christmas. A Christmas that the, the perfect gift of Jesus came to an imperfect world, to an imperfect place, to an imperfect family is something that we share even the, the same here in 2020. It is unique. And I don't know about you, but that's really good news for me in 2020. That the greatest event in human history, really, uh, the birth of Jesus, happened at an imperfect time, and yet God used it for his perfect will in such a powerful thing. That's really is the, story of the, the story of the Christmas story, is how something that was perfect entered into an imperfect circumstance and situation that it was. Last week, Helen led us through and reminded us a little bit of the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth that we find in Luke chapter 1. And if you remember this couple, that they wanted a child. And they had a timeline and they had a, a thought of how this was going to be, but the years have passed and the, the cry of Zachariah's heart was, Lord, how long? How long do we have to wait how come your timing doesn't seem perfect to me? We had this timeline, right? We would get married. We would have a child. This is how everything would flow out. But here we find ourselves in our later years. My wife is in her barren years, and there's no child. God, how long must we wait? And it was in that moment in Luke chapter 1 that this amazing thing happens. The supernatural enters into a moment of time and God reveals to Zechariah and Elizabeth a bigger picture. Reveals to them that God has a plan that's even bigger than what they're picturing. It's this question of how does God and time relate to one another. Now, as I was thinking about this this week, I'll confess to you, I, I began to break out in a cold sweat when I think about this question of God and time because it brought me back to my ordination council when I was trying to become a pastor. And the first question asked at my ordination council was when I knew I was in trouble and this was going to be a really long evening. The first question was, Ryan, explain to us the relationship between God and time. Is God in time, above time, or through time, and how do these two relate? Sweat coming down. I knew it was going to be a long evening. So when I thought of this concept this last week, I'll confess, I went back to that moment, got a little bit nervous. And then I reminded, was reminded that the Christmas story answers that question of how God relates to time. 
The Christmas story reminds me that God is present in the moment as he was with Mary and Joseph. It reminds me that God is above time because he had a plan for the birth of his son at a particular moment, at a particular place to fulfill prophecies that were given from the beginning of time. That God orchestrates all that we're going to see again today in his sovereign plan and in his sovereign time. As a human, in my finite mind, I, I think about time in a linear sense, right? It, it just moves from here to, to there. But what I'm reminded is, is God doesn't work in the same way. That God is playing chess while I'm thinking about checkers. I mean, that's the difference. I'm linear this way, and God says, whoa, whoa, it's much bigger than that. Here's the big thought that I want to share with you today, and I'm really going to follow up on the second part of this during our Christmas Eve services, and it's simply this. That just because you don't see it or understand it doesn't mean God isn't moving. That just because you don't see it and you don't feel it and you don't understand it doesn't mean God isn't moving. And I don't know about you, that, that's the encouraging news I need to hear for 2020. That God's plan is perfect and God's timing is perfect even though I'm not sure of the how or the why, but in time, he will show his purpose and why he accomplished and did these things. That's the thought for us today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn me to the book of Luke, chapter 1. If you've got your phones, if you're new to Lex City Church, if you go to lexcity.info, you'll find all the sermon notes and everything there to stay connected with the things that are happening in our church. But let's go back to Luke, chapter 1. In verse 19, it says this. So the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, as he's speaking to Zechariah, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my word will certainly be fulfilled, what's the last part? At the proper time. Can you imagine Zechariah's and Elizabeth's response to, to Gabriel as he shares this news? They're like, really, Gabriel? Uh, at the proper time? Are, are you kidding me? Gabriel, does God not realize how old we are? When my child graduates from high school, do you understand I'll be old enough to be his great-grandfather? You know, let's not talk about perfect timing. I, I think you have missed it by a little bit. Uh, you're a little late coming to this party. We appreciate it, but it doesn't seem the right time. Contrast that message of Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now contrast that to another child that is being born. Gabriel, it's a busy guy. Uh, Luke chapter one, he's hopping. A little bit later in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And here's this young couple on the other side of God's perfect timing. It's not too late. God, <laughs> I think you're a little bit early on this one. Gabriel, if you could just let the Lord know again. Does he not realize I'm, I'm still betrothed to Joseph? Uh, it seems a little early to have this conversation. Do you, do you not understand? We wanted a few years together as a couple, wanted to get to know each other. You know, Joseph's trying to get this business established. Could you just give us a little bit of more time on this? Their imperfect timing is that it was too soon, 
earlier, it was too late as we go. But whether it's too soon or it's too late, isn't it true that sometimes God's timing is disorientating? You ever experienced that in your own life? God, it just seems too late. Or God, it just seems too soon. It's just not in my timing and where I wanted it to be. But here's a big truth for this morning, right? Here it is, that God's timing is perfect when it doesn't feel like the right time. That God's timing is perfect even when it doesn't feel like the right time. So let's go back to the Christmas story, right? And and here you have a heavenly perspective, right? So it's not just this moment. Let's step back for a a heavenly perspective. A couple key things that are happening that are in the story, right? The forerunner to Jesus, John the Baptist, who was born of Elizabeth, is six months older than baby Jesus, right? So fall into him being the forerunner. The second part is that Mary lives in Nazareth, and we know that the prophecy says that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. So how are we going to get from where she is to where she is supposed to be to fulfill that? Now, that may seem like an obvious thing because you may know the story, but this is a situation that Mary normally, there would be no reason for her to travel this difficult journey to Bethlehem, especially if she was pregnant. Why in the world would she do this? Luke chapter 2, verse 4, tells us a little bit about how arduous this journey truly was. It gives us a clue. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Here's that little phrase, went up from Galilee. Now, there's two ways that she could get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Let me show you this here on the map. And you'll see on the map that little black line that's rolling down. It's about around 70 miles as the crow flies, about 90 miles on this journey here. Now, the the route in the black is the shortest and most direct route. The challenge is it is the most hilly, gives that idea of going up from Galilee. But the bigger issue is what country that goes through. It goes right through the country of Samaria. If you're familiar with the Bible stories that the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. So this is probably not the route that Mary and Joseph went. In their caravan that they were probably on, if you go back to that map, you're going to see a green route that goes out around the outside. It's a little less hilly. Uh, It still has some elevation changes, but more importantly, it avoids the area of Samaria. So the route, again, is about 90 miles. If you average pace of about 2.5 miles an hour, uh, It's about 20 miles a day that you would get accomplished. And you could do that if you were steady. You could make this trip in about four days. Now, the only thing that would slow that down is if you brought a donkey. And we know from the story that they brought a donkey. If you know anything about donkeys, here's the problem. Uh, Donkeys don't walk at a consistent pace. And when a donkey wants to walk, the donkey loves to walk. When the donkey does no longer want to walk, he stops walking. And then you have this challenge that's here. If you can ride a donkey... Uh, but the same thing happens. The donkey is not going to consistently walk all day long. At some point, the donkey's done walking, and then the day is done, and they're in this caravan potentially that goes. So most scholars feel that for Mary and Joseph, it was probably closer to an eight to 10-day journey as they went down there. So it's not an easy trip. It's not one they would necessarily just look forward to doing. So what motivates Mary while she's pregnant to go from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. 
Well, the answer is found in the very first part of the story, the very first verse of the story most of us read or the Christmas story before you're opening up presents. At least that was growing up. That was my family tradition. Before we could open presents, Dad would say, go get your Bible, and we would go to Luke chapter 2 to read the Christmas story. As a child, I remember thinking, can we just fast forward to the wise men? I mean, I know the story, and I want to get to my presents, you know, but it would always, this is the story that we read every year over and over as we go. And so here is the context for this imperfect time, which leads Mary and Joseph to an imperfect place. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Canarius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Big picture. We're going to see here how God uses godless emperors and empires to accomplish his amazing, perfect, sovereign will in his exact time and location. Again, Mary and Joseph at this moment, take a moment, zoom back, pan back, and give a heavenly perspective on what God is doing for this moment in time. The Babylonians come to power, and they move the nation of Israel into exile. Babylonians then are conquered by the Greeks. The Greeks take power over all things until what? The Roman Empire comes to a point of supremacy over the entire earth. And when the Roman Empire conquers them all and is in supreme rulers at this time, they, they start the thing that is known as the Pax Romana, right? 200 years of peace and prosperity. And during this time in human history, a couple things happen. For the first time ever, roads are built between significant cities. Travel becomes easier. For the first time in human history, there becomes a common language. For the first time in human history, the world all of a sudden becomes a lot smaller. Of all the times from creation to this point, this is the moment that God moves in the emperors and the empires of this world to create this moment and this dynamic for his son to be born as we go. So it's during this Pax Romana, during the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire grows and expands to about 70 million people that are now under Rome's authority. So Caesar decides, listen, I'm going to take a census at this time. And he does it for two purposes. He does it for a military purpose and also for taxation. A military purpose, this is the way you find out where the young men who are eligible to serve and reinforce this army that keeps these things in place. So the census will do that. And number two, it's a way for them to gain taxes for the Roman Empire. Now think about these. Neither of them are positives in Mary and Joseph's life. So this trip that Mary's about to take is not an easy trip. It's not a joyful trip. It's not one like, oh, I'm so excited to be able to go this so I can pay excessive taxes to them. It was an imperfect trip with an imperfect purpose for an imperfect time. But our perspective is that God moves empires to create this one moment for one girl to be at the right place at the right time for the perfect gift that needs to be delivered to the world. Book of Galatians chapter 4 says it this way. But when the right time came, God sent his son and born of a woman subject to the law. When the right time came. Now listen, in this moment, if you were to ask Mary and Joseph, is this the right time? They would have said, are you kidding me? This is anything but the right time. I'm pregnant, first child, you're gonna make me make this journey. Uh, 
we're going to go so I can go pay taxes excessive to, a, to an emperor who was taking over all the things. And we know for Mary and Joseph, financially, they struggled because when they offered their offerings for Jesus, they offered the lowest amount for those the income was of the lowest. So we know this was a financial challenging day for them, and yet here they must go to pay taxes to Caesar. Verse four, and Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The perfect gift at an imperfect time at an imperfect place. Ecclesiastes chapter three, I love how it says, it says this way. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. That man, here's what he's saying, that man has, you, you, you just can't grasp the full scope of what God is doing. He's saying you don't, and from the beginning of creation to the end of the judgment seat, he says, listen, God is at work. God is moving in ways that you will never see or know understand. But there'll be at moments, if you don't have this kind of perspective, when you're locked into your moment in time, you're going to have the questions of why. God, why did we wait so long before we could have a child? God, God, why so early in the marriage do we have a child? All throughout Scripture, we have the question of why, because our, our minds are, Noah, Lord, Lord, why am I building a boat? I don't even know what this is. Why am I building it there? David, Lord, why? Why am I being betrayed and hurt by the people that are closest to me? Why is it my family that's bringing me the most pain? Why am I being sold into slavery and of all places to Egypt? David, Lord, why am I, why am I stuck here on, on a hillside with sheep? These feel like wasted years. I'm accomplishing nothing. Why am I learning how to use a sling and a stone? What purpose does these have? Here's what we see over and over. Listen, that the perfect is found in the imperfections of life. And these are things that we will only see many times out of the rear view mirror. Why am I building a boat? Oh, a few years later, oh, I understand. Why did I get sold into Egypt? Oh, I can see now, God, how you're moving. Why, these weren't wasted years, alone on the hillside. These were ways that my faith grew and these are things that I've learned. It's a reminder that so many times that the perfect comes in the imperfections but we never see them sometimes unless we see them out of the rear view mirror. That's Ecclesiastes chapter three. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. So if that's the case, here's the question for us, right? Then what is my role in this process? God, if, if there's this master plan of your sovereign will and what you're accomplishing from the very beginning to the end, what, what role do I play and how do I need to think about what I do? Here's the key. Obedience is the key during imperfect times. That my role in the process, we'll see today, is only to respond in, in faith. Here's the contrast. Think about when the angel, again, let's go back. When the angel appeared to Zechariah, how did Zechariah respond? Go back to Luke chapter one, verse 18. 
Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure for this will happen? Responded, lack of faith. I'm an old man, and now my wife is also along in years. I'm sure she appreciated that. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, and it is he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you did not believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled, key, at the proper time. <laughs> Zacharias responds, Lord, why? Why now? Why so late into these years? Compare Zechariah's response of questioning God and lack of faith. Contrast that to Mary, right? Who gets the same visit from the same angel with really similar news. And here's what she says in Luke chapter one. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What I love about Mary is this, is that she is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. She's believing in advance and trusting God with faith and obedience in that moment. When Mary hears the news, she's trusting the perfect with the imperfect that's around. She's believing in advance what will only be seen in reverse. Two responses with the same news. So how about for us? How are you responding to the imperfect of 2020? Does your response feel a little bit more like Zachariah's or does it feel a little bit more like Mary's? I don't know about you, I, I've wavered on both of those. So a lot of this last year, I felt pretty good and responded, I think, a lot like Mary. I've been encouraged and had hope. And a few weeks back, I, th- I was in a funk where I think I felt a lot more like Zachariah and there were these questions of why. God, I don't understand this. I don't understand the timing. I was thinking in the context of us as a church family, Lord, why, 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 why? Why are we doing this in 2020? We feel like we're making momentum and things are going, why? You know, and you had these moments of lack of faith that came. But as I think about this year, I don't know about you, I just want to be, I want to be more like Mary, right? I want that response to be, Lord, I am your servant, And all that you have said of me, I believe will be true, right? God, I'm gonna trust you with your timing. God, I'm gonna trust you with your sovereignty. God, I'm gonna trust you that my finite little linear mind only sees this moment. But you are the creator of the universe. And God, I'm gonna trust that you're moving pieces that I can't even see. God, that you're, you're, you're working behind the scenes because at some moment in time, I will be able to look back and see, oh, that's why. Oh, that's why that struggle came. That's why that area of growth needed to be in my life. God, that's where I needed, you know, whatever it would be, uh, that I could have that perspective of Mary. So two questions I want to give you today that I think will help move our thoughts towards how do I respond like Mary. Here, here's the first question question is this, am I willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says to do, whether I like it or not? Uncertainty times, it really comes back to obedience. God, am I willing? The Bible clearly says it. 
If you've spoken to it clearly in my heart, I'm going to obey you, regardless if I like it or not. It's obedience. It's Mary. The second question. Am I willing to trust God in anything he sends into my life, whether I understand it or not? It's Mary. God, I'm willing to just trust that this circumstance, that this struggle, that this victory that you brought into my life, I'm gonna trust you with it whether I understand it or not. See, 2020 has been like their first Christmas, like with Mary. It, it, It was an imperfect time. Not everything lined up well and not everything was just how we wanted it. But God was at work in the midst of that for his perfect plan. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season, right? There is a bigger plan at play. There is a larger thing happening than you can even see and understand and comprehend that God is still sovereign, that God has a plan, and God is using the imperfections of this moment to accomplish his perfect will in what he has. And all he calls you and I to do is to remain faithful and to remain obedient. Yes, Lord. Am I going to Bethlehem? I'm going to Bethlehem. I don't get it. I don't even like it. I'm not really excited about it. But I'm going to be obedient because I trust that you are a good God and I trust you'll be faithful. Quote that I heard was simply this The past is history, the future is a mystery, but today is a gift. And that's why they call it the present. Let's pray together. Today, I don't know what that truth means to you and what God needs to speak to your heart about. But I just want to encourage you that God hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. That he's got a plan. And sometimes God shows up the greatest. And the light is always the brightest in the darkness. And in imperfect times, in imperfect places, and imperfect people, the perfect gift of Jesus shows up in powerful ways. Father, today we thank you for the story powerful story the obedience of Mary we just claim the truth that God I believe all you've said about me to be true and so I'll go God I think of my brothers and sisters today Lord for some this has been a a difficult difficult season And the plans that they had laid out for what this year would look like and the plans they had in their life and in the life of their children and the life of their business and the life of their relationships. God, this wasn't on the radar. And this wasn't in the plans. But God, I thank you again that Christmas reminds us that the perfect gift came at the perfect time to the perfect place in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, today, during our uncertainties, 
during our times of wondering, may we rest in that truth that you are at work and that you have a plan that's bigger than we can see and we can feel or maybe even than the one we like. And we rest in that today. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are a father that we can trust with all things. And we give you the glory for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brian. What a great and timely message to kind of close out uh, 2020 with us this year. And just want to kind of give you guys a couple of ways you can stay involved these next couple of weeks as we close out this year. And one of those ways Pastor Brian mentioned earlier, it's just uh, as we talk about this area of generosity and it being an act of worship and an act of obedience, just want to challenge those of you there that are in a place where, where God has continued to bless you. Um, this year to be a blessing to to others and to the church. And I just want to encourage you to continue to be generous here and to your neighbors. And there's ways you can do that here. You can you can give online at lexi.info by clicking on give or text to give. 84321 is the number there. And you can also um, give right here in person or you can mail a check in before the end of the year, postmark by December 31st. And I just want to challenge you guys. God is going to do incredible things with your support of Lex City to finish the year and, and to set us up well and set us up to start the, the first of the of next year well as well. And I know my wife and I, every year we give every month, but then we, we always talk and pray through a year and gift as well. And so I encourage you guys, if that's where you're at with your family, we'd love for you to, to partner with us on that. The other thing that I wanted to remind you guys of that's really exciting, and we didn't know a month ago if we were gonna get to have uh, in-person Christmas uh, services, and we're going to, that's happening this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're super excited about that. And so uh, you can go to Christmas at LexCity.com, or you can go to LexCity.info and click on the Christmas link right there. And Register for tickets because we do have limited capacity because of social distancing guidelines that are happening this week. And so encourage you guys, uh, if you can come out live, that's great. If not, we are going to have that entire service on demand on the 22nd this Tuesday as well for you to watch it anytime you want during the holiday season. But if you want to get tickets, make sure you go to ChristmasAtLexCity.com and get signed up for Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday this week. So looking forward to seeing you guys there and seeing you online for that as well. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for joining us online. Have an amazing week. We'll hopefully see you all later this week. Thanks a lot.